Well, I think we have come to this point in our lives where the ultimate goal of dating now is that you want that relationship to be successful. Where before, whenever we were younger, it was more like, I just want to be with this person to get laid, essentially. And now it's like, I want this relationship to work out. So if I'm going to invest time in it, then for me, it's like, if that doesn't work out, I am genuinely sad over it. Um, honestly, because my eggs are drawn up by the day. But I don't know. It's just, it, it is different as you get older. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make The Ultimate Shift in your life? Welcome back to The Ultimate Shift. Today, we are going to do something a little bit different. I have AB back in the studio. Hi, everybody. I'm back. She's back. And so I'm going to just throw a little uh, pitch in here first for you guys that listen to the show. Please leave us a review with your thoughts of uh, what we could do better, what's good, what you like about it, so that we know kind of how to serve you guys better with this show and be of a better asset to what we bring to the table, I guess. So I'm always looking for reviews and feedback and we don't get a lot of it. So I'm trying to get that out of people. So yeah, that's you, can't, my you can't do better if people don't tell you how to improve. This is true. So what we're going to do today, since we already had AB on the show, of course, there's uh, 101 things that people still want to know about her it's still to this day the most downloaded episode that we have people still listen to your that your episode every single day wow thank yeah. you guys yeah and so we have a bunch of questions so i'm just going to dive into the questions because i have a feeling these are going to take up some time some of the questions are uh directed to us both so we may both be giving answers to that and so we'll try to keep it uh, simple and educational. Yeah, short, sweet, and to the point. So how this came up is that I hosted a couple lives on my Instagram and I asked people what is it that they want to know more or less from a male's perspective because the majority of my followers are female. And so they just, Ephraim, I had over 1,200 submissions. And so it was a lot to go through, but these are the ones that stuck out the most. So, first question is actually my favorite. So, say you're writing a recipe and you have to list all of the ingredients to get to your final product and the final product is happiness. What would be your recipe for happiness? What is my recipe for happiness? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, it's hard once you think about it, right? Yeah, yes, and yes and no, because there's a really simple answer to that, but it's most people don't want to do it, and that's just do what makes you happy. But sometimes that also means that people think you're you're mean and you're cruel or... or and selfish. And selfish. Sure. Selfish yeah. is a big part. And I would just answer that in this, because I've really just figured out my happiness more so in the last two years, and I'm 35, so that's sad to say. I hope other people figure this out quicker. But for me, I always, I used to be a people pleaser all the time. I used to, in, in relationships or whatever it was, I always put them first. I was there to serve. And 
what I ended up with is in this place where I wasn't happy. I realized, okay, I need to change something. I need to do something different that never gets me back here again and into that place. And so I became very selfish. I remember having this conversation with my mom actually. And she and I was telling her, Mom, I'm gonna get really selfish for about a year with with myself, with my financials, with everything. Like I'm not gonna help people in this year's time. I'm gonna fill my cup, so to speak. And she was kind of like, of course, my mom, bless her heart, she's like, you know, Ephraim, I don't know that that's the right thing to do. You know, that's never made to serve. You know, is that what Jesus would do? And I was like, let's just, look, I just have to do this because mm -hmm. I'm not happy where I am. I was, uh, you know, in between careers and didn't know where I was going. And anyway, so to sum that up, we had that conversation about a year ago or about a year later, which was this summer. And she actually agreed with me. She's like, you're much happier. I had put myself in a position financially to where I don't think I could ever end up where I was before and people have more respect for me. Mm -hmm. All that being said, I've been called selfish, greedy, everything you can think of under the sun in between that time frame, but I'm happy. And, and that's I'm, what matters. I'm, I'm happy. Yes. And I, and I try to still help people and still do what I can, but it took me to forget about everything else and just focus on me and focus on what I like. And maybe it's travel, maybe it's reading, maybe it's something as simple as running. Mm -hmm. Whatever I wanted to do, I did for that year. And it's brought me, I don't even like the term happiness because happiness can, happiness is fleeting. Let's say you think, well, if I get to this stage in my career, I'm going to be happy. Well, then you get there and then it's always something else. There's always something that you strive to think, well, when I get there, I'm happy. The difference in happiness and fulfillment is fulfillment is when you're wherever you are and you're you're completely fulfilled. You don't need anything else. You don't need another person. You don't need it. And that doesn't mean it's wrong if you have another person, whatever. It's just in that moment, you're completely fulfilled. And that's where I find myself now. Right. So I actually had a similar conversation with my mom a couple weeks ago. Because whenever I started out with my selfish year, the year of AB, as she calls it, mm -hmm. that... Which was when? Two years ago? Two years ago. Yeah. And at first, she kind of had the same reaction as your mom did. She was like, I don't think that's necessary. Like, and my mom, I still use this with her to this day. She was like, what would our song leader at church think was her reason? I was like, I don't care what his opinion is. And the way that I see it now is that until you have reached that certain level of happiness where you're content... Even though you still are a people pleaser, you can't pour from an empty cup. And so until you're happy, you won't be able to make anybody else happy. You'll just kind of start dragging them down with you. Also, I don't know, to whoever's listening, I really want to know why you run to be happy. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to run unless somebody's chasing me or if it's too, <laughs> a, or if it's too like a taco truck. Well, to, to me, that's running is meditation. It's my it's my time when when I can think. To I can me, process. that's torture. <laughs> Why? We're all created different. I guess I used to run track, and my stepdad said he would rather watch paint dry on a wall. <laughs> <laughs> watch me run track. I'm like, you know what? You're not wrong, and I quit. <laughs> that's funny. Which, by the way, on the note of happiness, just because I say that I feel more fulfilled than I ever have in my life, doesn't mean that I don't have the days. Because I remember, I know I've texted you multiple times in mm -hmm. the last six months probably, and be like, 
hey, what would you do in this situation? Where I felt like my cup was empty. And it's just that reminder from having someone in your life to say, hey, look, you need to focus on you. You need to fill your cup. Mm -hmm. So it's not as simple as just all of a sudden you made it. Mm -hmm. You still have those struggles. This is a little tangent here, but before I had the quote-unquote year maybe, I was such a people pleaser that I became like codependent on like I constantly felt like if I wasn't helping other people then I wasn't being a good person and that's how I developed codependent relationships and toxic friendships because I was constantly giving too much of myself to other people that I was dwindling away myself mm. and I think yeah. people don't understand that yeah it's a little thing but it's also a big thing okay so these are in no particular order I just started copying and pasting them so, um, what is something that you've had to unlearn? <laughs> oh, gosh. I think it's probably one of the same as the last question we answered. What's your recipe for happiness? Yeah, yeah, kind of in the same way. Uh, but you can go deeper with that question, which I think comes back to your identity as how, how you see yourself. For me, the biggest thing that I had to unlearn, this is a little different than, than most people maybe, but was religion. Because, yeah. of, because of me growing up Amish, you know, for when, when I left at 18, I thought, I firmly believe with everything in me I was going to hell. Because that's what I was told, not by my parents, but, but from people in the church or whatever. And so, just to me, it just hell didn't seem any worse than being confined into, I'm a, I'm a rule breaker, naturally. I was always pushing the line. And that hell, of the, the idea of some hell somewhere was no worse to me than what I felt enforced upon every day. Mm -hmm. so, so I had to unlearn religion. And by unlearning religion, I just, you had to, I had to wipe my slate clean, basically saying, I don't believe in anything. And then do my own research and start studying myself. And I went to um, Mormon churches, Catholic church, every church you can think of I went. And I just kind of picked from whatever. And so that's how I unlearn a lot of things. I've had to unlearn religion. I've had to unlearn what my parents taught me. And, and I think this is probably something everyone can relate to. No more or less, you have to unlearn some things that your parents teach you because mm -hmm. they're teaching you from their experience, which isn't your experience. And so I've pretty much had to um, recreate this monster that I now am from every <laughs> aspect. So I've, I would say I've had to unlearn pretty much everything I was told, everything I thought I believed at 18 years old, now at 35. I don't think I would agree with most anything I believed at the time. So with that, now that you are at this point in your life, what would be some advice that you would give your younger self? Now knowing what you know now, and after you've had to unlearn everything and pretty much start from scratch, which is an incredible feeling. What advice would you give your younger self? Follow no, your gut. To follow your gut. And, and believe in yourself. You know, and I mm -hmm. think everyone deals with that. But like, it's, it's, I wish I would have known what I'm capable of. And, and you can do anything. You can do anything you set your mind to. It's like Tony Robbins says, and excuse the French in this, but he, he, he says when he was a kid and he was trying to outcome whatever it was he was overcoming, his family and his, his financial things, he said, I'm fucking unstoppable. And I use that to this day when I run, when I'm wanting to beat my record of running, when, I, when, I'm, when it comes to business, when it comes to everything. And, and I wish I would have had that confidence. So I would tell myself, 
back then is like you have everything you need to achieve what it is you want mm-hmm. within you. And you don't need anyone else to, to, if other people want to come and help, cool, great, fine. But you don't have to have them. You can do it yourself if you have to. As long as they're there to help. Because I've learned that there's a difference between somebody being in your corner and somebody who's just in your business. And True. Yeah. I think, I mean, because we come from this same small town, sort of. I think coming from an, like a culture and environment like that, obviously I wasn't Amish, but... It's still the same it's still small the town same mentality. Tom's, like small town mentality that you feel so tethered, mm-hmm. and it's almost like a sense of guilt if you do anything that goes against. That's outside of that realm. That that's box. outside that realm, and even to this day, like I go home and I'm like, "Why are y'all still doing this this way?" And one thing that it just was like a light bulb that went off with me is there's a saying in my family is that little girls are supposed to be seen and not heard. And if there was anything that I could like tell little AB is to not listen to that. Mm-hmm. Because obviously I have a lot of things to say. That's shaking your voice. If you take yes. someone's voice out of nothing left. Like why would you sit there and tell someone, especially a young girl, that she's only supposed to be seen and not heard? So yeah, I just, you do have to unlearn everything. You do have to start from scratch whenever you get out of that environment and it's frowned upon but who gives a shit <laughs> me <laughs> okay so something that's not so serious but i really want to know the answer to this one. Oh lord describe your worst date huh. <laughs> describe my worst date um, the worst date you've ever been on what was it for me, I mean, you have to be able to open up. It's I can't, I can't, I can't sit there and talk to you if you're just wanting to talk about surface stuff. And this one was a lot of that, just surface stuff. And she really wanted me to go home and meet her cat, and I really didn't I'm want sorry. anything to do with her at this point. Time out. Uh, <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. I don't even. C A T. By the way. Did, did she? So how did that question come about, Ephraim? I want you, did she literally say, I want you to come home and meet my fucking cat? Yes. Mm-hmm. That was when I knew that this well, was What was the cat's name? I don't know. I don't remember. Come to Karen. Karen. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Karen. 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 I'm sorry to all That wasn't directed, directed towards you. <laughs> it's okay. I get a lot of heat for calling people Karen, but my grandma is named Karen and she thinks it's funny. <laughs> so, okay. So she wanted you to come home to meet her cat. Yeah. There was just a lot of different aspects in the date. It just, but I, I mean, overall, it was just like this, this particular person didn't want to open up and didn't want to talk about mm-hmm. anything outside of the general, I don't know, daily things. And so, yeah. And it was just weird to me that at the end of the night, she was like, I would like for you to come home and meet my cat, and which I say. declined at the time. And <laughs> she asked me multiple times, and I declined again and again and again. And that's what comes to mind when I think about the worst date I've ever had. So let me ask this. How many dates do you have to go on before it's acceptable for someone to ask you to come home to meet your cat? I don't think there is a number. Uh, I, don't th- I don't ever want to go to someone's place to meet their cat. First of all, I'm sorry. Um, I want this on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I think. 
Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think that would be much further down the line because I'm not a cat person, so. Um. I don't think there is a line for that. <laughs> Honestly, there's no line, Ephraim. Have you never been to a guy, hey, do, do you want to come meet Ola or your dog, whatever his name is? Arlo. Arlo, yeah. I mean, they say that. It's like their way of saying, like, I want to go home with you. No, but I'm saying you have never said to a guy. No. Okay. okay. No. Just checking. I just, that's so weird. There's more to that date, but that cannot be I'm said. I'm really on sorry. This podcast, but, you know, I'll you tell you something. To go <laughs> okay, so now we got some of, like, the general questions out of the way. I, don't, I can't get over that one. I really want that on a t shirt. <laughs> Um, so the majority of my questions that were submitted by my followers, which my followers are amazing. I love them. have to do with relationships. Sure. Um, because obviously all I can give them is the encouragement and I can be their cheerleader, but they want a male perspective. Okay. So who better than that? So how do men get over exes and is there a specific time frame for that? Because I know, I don't know if you, you've seen this diagram, but I have where on one side there's a female and the other side is a male. And it's kind of like stark opposite. So at the beginning of the heartbreak, a female is distraught and heartbroken. And she is just in her apartment for three days without washing her hair like I was. Mm -hmm. While the guy is out partying. And then it takes a few months before the man starts to feel that heartbreak. So I think this question is more or less, is that true? I think it varies per person and per personality. Um, I don't think it, I don't think this is a one size fits all kind of question. And in the same way on the time frame, because I think every relationship is different. I've heard it say one time that figure half as long as the relationship was to overcome it. I haven't found that necessarily to be true, but I've found certain relationships harder to get over than others based off of the level of intimacy that was in the relationship. By intimacy, I don't mean sex, I mean vulnerability. Connection. Vulnerability, people being willing to open up and tell you their fears and their, their struggles and their dreams and so forth. I think for men, I think men in general, we we fix things. So when there's when there and a relationship ends. We can't fix it, so we avoid it. We pretend mm -hmm. it's not happening. And that's probably where the partying comes in. It's not that we don't feel the pain to the same level, probably. It's just we tend to push it away and pretend that it's not existent until we have to face the shit. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, oh crap. You know what it, and again, I'm, I mean, I was raised a little different, so. I don't know that I can answer. I mean, I've definitely have friends and I've seen uh, men in relationships where it didn't seem to affect them at all. And I, I said to that, I say, well, if you didn't really love that person. That person was just a tool you were using to gain whatever you wanted to gain. Mm -hmm. For me, my mom always told me, don't ever date a girl unless you wanted to, unless you could see yourself marrying her. I can't say that I've never, that I always kept to that. But at the same time, it's, I don't really date just to date, so. Well, I think we have come to this point in our lives where the ultimate goal of dating now is that you want that relationship to be successful. Where before, whenever we were younger, it was more like, I just want to be with this person 
to get laid essentially. And now it's like, I want this relationship to work out. So if I'm going to invest time in it, then for me, it's like, if that doesn't work out, I am genuinely sad over it. Um, honestly, because my ex are drawn up by the day, but I don't know. It's just, it, it is different as you get older. Um, so I do know that I have a lot of younger followers, so don't feel like just because you're going through a breakup right now, that means that your life is over. There is, men get better with age. Yeah, well, let's hope so. Well, um, they're not fully developed to 25 <laughs> anyway. If no, they're still well, yeah. doing this, this kind of, if they're still behaving immaturely after 25, then they're a goner because they are fully developed, sis. They just don't want to do it. Yeah, look, look, it's the same for, I don't care, and you say this so many times, and I'll say it, and no one, I don't care if you try to avoid this and think that, that your situation is different, it's not. If someone really wants to spend the time with you, they will. And when I say that, as in people in your career, my career, we're extremely busy. So I always tell people, if you have someone that's as busy as we are, and, mm -hmm. and that tends to come with age as well. If you really develop your career, you get busier, and you set time aside to go on a date, it's not that you just set time aside. You really spent the time, the effort to just set that time aside, mm -hmm. and, and someone needs to appreciate that, because if they don't, then they're just it's just not gonna work. But that being said, if you really wanna be with someone, you'll make the time for it, no matter how busy mm -hmm. you are. And people tend to just think, well, yeah, but this is different. It's not. So how do you feel about the phrase, if they wanted to, they would? Like, if they wanted to talk to you, they would. They would. Do yeah. And, and I always tell people, if, if I'm kind of starting to talk to someone or, or date someone in, in my life today, and I don't feel like I can give them what they deserve, I straight up tell them, look, this, is, this is where I'm at in my life. This is what I can give you. I may not be able to see you, but every two weeks, and if that's not okay, like you deserve more than that, I mm -hmm. get that. And then, but I'm just telling you that now so that you don't get attached. There's the door, no disrespect. I'm just saying this is where I'm at, and, and that's what you're gonna deal with when you get me. And so it's just communication. At the end of the day, it's just communicating what works for you and what you can give, and that's all someone can ask of you. And, and if that doesn't work for you, then don't stick to that person by all means. Go find someone that works with your schedule. And do not think you're gonna change that person. Exactly. Ladies, yes. you cannot change a man. You can make a man grow, and you two can grow together, but you cannot change anybody. Agreed. Absolutely. And so I think Mormon need to be more clear like that. Yeah. You just need to be completely mm -hmm. open and, and transparent. And mm -hmm. then, and again, I cannot stress this enough. Just like you said, don't keep trying to fit yourself in a box that you don't fit in. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's one person. There's millions of people in the world. Go find that person that's compatible with what you're looking for and that fits in your time frame. Maybe it's a nine to five person that doesn't have a job after. Maybe it's not that entrepreneur, that CEO, if you will, that works until midnight or whatever, or is always out of town like me. Maybe it's that person that has a nine to five locally that can give you what it is you need. And I think that speaks a lot to, I think that people like your, or men like yourself, that are really career driven, that travel a lot, that have their shit together. It's glamour. It is great. It's a wonderful, those are wonderful qualities to have, but I think it's glamorized. 
and that that's where a lot of women think that is what they want. So there's a difference is that might be what you want, but can you handle it? And even for someone like me, there's a lot of men out there who can't handle a woman who has the leadership that I do and who is so dedicated to their career that they're like, yeah, I want that independent woman, but then suddenly I'm difficult. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of wires get crossed. And yeah, and and just to add to that, if it looks glamorous to you and you think, well, yeah, but when we get married, he's going to spend more time with me. If you're dating a serial entrepreneur, chances are he gets like me. I get my fix. I get my fill from, from work, from the drive, from the hustle. I love it over everything else. I love it so much that I will give up a relationship for that. And maybe I just haven't met the right person. I don't know. But it's it's not going to change when you're married. You you realize you're marrying into that. You're giving what you see. So you have to be somewhat independent to to date that entrepreneur, Level to date person. that person that's in whether it's it's an entrepreneur, whether it's someone that's in a in a uh, in your position that's just t- their work takes a lot of their time. Yeah, like you know what you're signing up for, sweetie. Yeah, yeah. Don't it's, expect it to change. No, it's most not. And that's why we have a high divorce rate. I know, right? You know how we stop that? It's just to stop getting married. <laughs> is, what I think. is that the solution? <laughs> Do you see yourself having, like, getting married and having children? Do you want that? Oh, God, I get that question so many times. I just have never had to answer it on a podcast. Um, We're answering it now because I have a lot of women who are interested. They want to know your answer. Um, so my thing is it changes. It, it's definitely changed. When I was younger, I always wanted the marriage or wanted the kids. The American dream. The American dream. What society tells us that we want. And when I actually followed my own dreams, I realized that, hey, I come from a big family. I have 15 nieces and nephews. Holy so shit, I, like I have all the kids that I love, 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 love kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely adore them. Love being around them. I also love leaving them. Um, so when they start crying, peace. Bye. You start crying too on the inside. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I am in a place where I I do think it would be really cool to find a person Mm -hmm. that can relate to the work schedule I have, to the dreams that I have, uh, that maybe wants the same things that wants to travel more so than they want kids. My biggest fear in life at 35 years old is to end up in a suburb, living the same thing day in, day out, taking the kids to school, same school. I don't want that. So I can never marry anyone that wants that. And mm-hmm. that's not wrong to want that dream. It's just, I, if I could, you know, if there's a person that wanted to travel the world and, and work and, and do those things. And if kids come along, great. If they don't, the kids would even, let's say I had kids, I would want them I wouldn't want them in a public school. I wouldn't want them in the school system we have. I would want them to travel alongside my right. journey. And whether that means finding that tutor to travel along and, and teach them their their whatever schooling, but that they could also learn by hand, by, mm-hmm. you know. Experience. At, by experience, yes. Because yeah. I think that's the greatest teacher. So. Because I can't tell you how many times I've used the Pythagorean theorem in my day-to-day life. What is that? It's something to do with the fucking triangle. Do you think I use that today? No, I don't. And I took like quantum physics and stuff when I could have been sleeping. Oh, you're talking, yeah, schooling. And yeah, like so- there's so many things that we are taught in a traditional school system that do not apply. Mm-hmm. You're not taught finances, you're not taught entrepreneurship. Really? 
people ask me all the time is, why did you not choose college and just choose business as in college? Because I remember when I left the Amish, I had a choice. I either I was going to go to college or I was going to start a business. I'm so happy I started a business because I've thought about it so many times since. Let's say I wanted to get a business degree. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? And no disrespect to any. Uh, yeah, this is not saying that college is yeah. bad. It's just saying that college is not for everyone. It's not for everyone. So for me, I'm I learned by experience, and so mm-hmm. I was like. Why would I go spend four or eight years in college to learn from someone who's never ran a business? Yeah. Why not just go learn it myself? Mm-hmm. And I've never regretted that. But it's it's different for everyone. And one's, one shoe doesn't fit everyone in this case. But, I, you know, to, to answer the question, I'm not against marriage. I'm not. I don't know if I'll ever, you know, I don't know. I don't know where I'll end up. But if someone, if I ever feel like someone is fits in this uh, crazy spectrum of life that I have, Cool, great, and whatever comes after that comes after that. I don't, I don't draw any hard lines. Oh my gosh, Ephraim, are you proposing to me? <laughs> I wasn't ready for this. Okay, but here we are. But here we are, drinking chocolate bourbon, answering questions about relationships. Yeah, well, you need to drink it a little more so that your accent comes out more. No, I'm trying. Is that, is that why you're behind? Yes. You know what? I get a lot of shit for it. If you can't hang, just say so. <laughs> no, I get a lot of shit. This girl, I'm sure you saw it, but this girl called me Miss Hick. I saw that. You did? And she's like, your opinion is irrelevant. And I'm like, honey, I will school you. Because it turns out Kentucky. she was... She said your, your opinion is irrelevant because, because you're I'm from, from Kentucky. Kentucky. And I'm like, um... Excuse me, ma'am. John Wall played basketball here. I'm not irrelevant. No, what did you say? Because you said something back. So yeah. So I said. So she said that, and I said, "Bless your heart." Caring about voting. Yes, I said, "Bless your heart." And so then she said, um, "What was it? Something about how my opinion didn't matter because her state is superior." to my state Mm -hmm. and that they will outvote us anyway. And so my response was, honey, I'm laying in bed with my dog eating goldfish crackers. I don't give a (laughs) fuck if your state is superior because I'm superior. (laughs) There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's all you need to know. She blocked me after that. (laughs) Blocked immediately. I I have never met a woman that has more confidence than you do. It took me a long time to get here. Uh, me and my friend Sarah, who you met, yes. we were talking about you the other week when we were at dinner, and uh, she said, did you see what Abby's posted this morning? And I was like, I did. And you had just posted, you were like, you had posted some, uh, you were looking in the mirror or whatever, and you said, can you believe they left this or something? Oh, like, my God. Music. And we were just laughing. She's like, she has so much confidence. And I was like, <laughs> and she really the, does, more so than anyone I know. The question that I asked was, how would you feel if you left me? <laughs> and I said, you're so fucking stupid. <laughs> the confidence in yes, it. it's, just, it's, it's great. It gets me in trouble sometimes, but it, I, I call it the weeding out process. Mm-hmm. So here's another question, and I'm actually curious to know this answer myself. Okay. So when you are dating someone and you're starting to get to know them, how do you know, like, what are some things that guys do that show that they're losing interest? Like, what is something that you can tell some of the female followers that, hey, this guy is doing these things because he's not really interested in you? So it comes back to 
I'm just going to use myself in this reference uh, because you're asking me. If I really want to talk to you, I will. I think the first sign for me, if I feel myself not being interested anymore, for whatever reason, doesn't mean the person is lesser than, I would probably start backing off of communication. Mm -hmm. because, because communication, let's say you're talking, and, and I'm not one to, even when I am dating to talk to someone all day long, because I just can't. Let's say you get home in the evening and you feel like you have to talk to this person. Mm -hmm. And the thought of the conversation is more draining than if you just didn't. That would be the first step for me. That's when I choose to, okay, I'm just not going to do that. And that's my first start of, of kind of distancing myself. And sometimes, sometimes I distance myself and realize, okay, I didn't really want to do that, but I just had a day. But if it, if it stays, if it continues to feel that way through, yeah, through the week, and I realize I'm seven days in and I haven't really wanted to talk to this person and I've only talked to them because I felt like I had to. I'm probably going at that point in time to communicate it because, I, again, I'm a big communicator. Just mm -hmm. tell me your thoughts. And so I don't think it's fair to keep people guessing. I don't think it's fair to anyone. And I think for everyone, though, it takes time. It takes a few days to figure it out. Like yeah. sometimes you're just having a bad day and then you don't want to mess it up just because you had a bad day. But yeah, it's it would start with communication for me, and then it would it would from there it would be like I wouldn't care so much about spending my time because my time is valuable, and why would I spend it in a way that isn't going to benefit that person or me? Mm -hmm. So I would agree, and my thing is is that sometimes the apparently immature guys that I've been dating they ghost. And I think more people need to take your advice whenever it comes to communication because more often than not, women, whenever they start to talk to someone, they don't have like a roster. Mm -hmm. Though you should, ladies, have a roster. But they yeah. start talking to someone and that's where their focus is. And then suddenly, like we pick up on that really quick. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we address it, the guy ghosts. So ghosting is, in my opinion, is the... The cop out for not dealing with your emotions and it says more about that person than it does you. Yeah. I think ghosting is an, is an absolute cheat in everything. I have zero respect for it. If a girl ghosts me, which I've had it happen, I would never again attempt to restore that relationship in any way, form, or fashion. I have zero respect for anyone that's willing to ghost me. Thank as you. should anyone else. Because if someone ghosts you, it's not just saying the immaturity level that they're at. It means they have zero respect, respect for you. For you. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Like if you can't have a mature conversation about where you're feeling and where you're at, because the thing is about ghosting is that if someone ghosts me, it used to bother me really bad. Now I'm like, oh, thank God. Like I don't have to say anything yeah. to this person anymore. <laughs> but when somebody ghosts me, it used to really take a toll on me because then you're left wondering like there were so many unanswered questions and sometimes you're just better off hurting. So sometimes people need to have their feelings hurt in order to move on. Right. Okay. There's a difference in ghosting, by the way, when, when you say ghosting, I'm taking it as this person just disappears. Now, when this person has communicated, this has happened to me. This is why I'm saying this, where I've communicated that I don't feel the same way. And it's not against you. It's just that I don't feel this fire. I, mm -hmm. I can't get myself there. Mm -hmm. And, 
it just goes on and on and on and on and on to finally I'm like, you know what, I can't, I can't respond anymore. That's a different type of ghosting. That's when I don't you're think ready that's to give ghosting it. Yeah. at all. I wouldn't okay. I wouldn't define that because you've already made and I've recently had this happen to me, is I've made myself clear, like I don't think and I actually, you and I had talked over Instagram over this before once. You shared a video with me that there's a difference between compatibility and chemistry. Mm-hmm. And so I really had chemistry with this guy, but there was no compatibility People at all. And so all I was like, you know, we'll call him John. I was like, John, I think we have chemistry, but I don't think we're as compatible as we hoped we would be. And he didn't understand that. And then he said that I was ghosting him. And I don't think that's ghosting. No, at all. Not, not, not once you've made your, not once you have expressed yourself. Yeah. Ghosting to me means that you haven't had the closure conversation. That they literally stopped mm-hmm. saying anything yeah. without any kind of explanation at all. Usually ghosters are fuckboys or fuckgirls. Yes. I think I was a fuckboy in my past life. (laughs) I feel like that's why I'm so wise right now. So, would you ever, this is getting a little personal, so would you ever go back to an ex? Oh, gosh. Yes. You would. If the situation was right. If, um, and you know, that's a, that's a, there's, I say that with more than one ex. I mean, there's exes, absolutely no. Hell to the no. Um, <laughs> Do not come back. There, I've had relationship, I say, I've had a relationship where we had a great, phenomenal relationship. The entire relationship was, was honor, was respect, was communication, pretty much everything. And, and what drove us apart was distance. And mm-hmm. was moving to, uh, we ended up moving both of us moving to different cities, uh, literally across the country from each other. And so that ended that. And so I say yes, and, and I don't know, I hope this person doesn't ever listen to this podcast. But I think that in that sense, if everything seemed right, if everything came together and it's it just kind of left or left where it started, where it left off, then I feel like I could potentially revisit that situation that doesn't mean that you know let's say it's five years later that there's any compatibility left but i'm just saying i wouldn't write it off necessarily for that situation if that was the situation but i would say nine out of ten times no have you only been in love once then like real love? i think twice for me i think i twice. can say twice that i really like looking back that i that it was really something and I would say both of those, I would consider it, but it would be under, you know, I'm not a believer in giving people chances they don't deserve either. Mm-hmm. So it would just, it would depend on the situation. I wouldn't necessarily write it off, but I would say more times than not, it's probably better left alone. Yeah, I would have to agree. So do you think that long distance is possible? What what would be the breaking point for long distance? Is it the distance itself, or do you think that people tend to give up when it comes to long distance? I think people get lonely and then they mm-hmm. give up. It's hard. It's, yeah, it's hard. It's a whole different concept of dating. Yeah, it so used to people would say, well, 
distance makes the heart grow fonder, whatever the BS line is. And no, that may have been true, but I don't think it's it's irrelevant anymore in today's world where everything is instant, where you have mm -hmm. all these dating apps or whatever, where someone just tends to go on when they're lonely or whatever it is for maybe the one reason. I think long distance can vary. If, if you're talking long distance as in a state, that's not a big deal for me. When you're talking long distance as in where it was my situation was three hours time difference. And so all of a sudden, you know, your careers are now completely different time zones. Mm -hmm. uh, when one's going to the bed, the other one's just getting off work, you know, things like that. And so that obviously makes a big difference. Um, I think long distance anymore, just my personal opinion, is a lot harder than it used to be. Yeah. Because people, people aren't as loyal as they used to be. Um, agreed. Yeah. So, would you ever move for a relationship? I think I feel like you would be the kind of person that would consider it. I would consider it for sure because when you find that person that that is, is worth moving is for, worth moving for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously, in my situation with having a company in the town I live in is 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 something I would have to look at and be like, okay, well, can I make this work? Can I put people in place that make? I guess to answer a question, yes, I would because my first question would be, can I put people in place? to make this thing run efficiently to where if I fly in once a week or whatever, it can work or, or whatever. It would be tough. It would be really tough with this uh, position I'm in right now, but I wouldn't cross it off. Yeah. So I moved for a relationship. Did you really? That's how I ended. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people know this. So no, I didn't know this. I moved to the town that I'm in now because I had been dating this guy long distance for four years. I long distance as in I hours apart or days? Hours. Okay. I drove six hours every weekend for two and a half years. You drove it every time? Mm -hmm. He was in medical school, so okay. he couldn't just leave. So I drove six hours. Every so I would leave my hometown, drive six hours. I would get there about midnight on a Friday night, stay Saturday, and I would leave Sunday morning. And I was getting my master's at the time. And he found out that he would be working at the hospital that I am actually an administrator in now, which is amazing to me. Because I'm like, oh, you're my bitch these days. Uh, um, but I moved to the town that I'm in now, and I got a job at the hospital I'm at because we had made plans. And he convinced me to do those things. And if he did not dump me, a week before I had our yeah we had already got a house together three bedroom no way three bedroom two bath house I'd already started my new job I was in my final week of school I you know been working on my dissertation he dumped me so I think I say that to say if you are in a long-distance relationship and you're wanting to move you need to be serious about it and because that's not an easy decision. Do you feel like it was too soon for you? No. We you were four years in. We were four years in. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And he married a girl that was in my Bible study group. <laughs> but, I mean, People, he's doing well. They're crazy. They are. But <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have met my recent ex if it weren't for that. So I'm not, I'm not, I can't be mad at that situation because it brought me to something that made me so much happier. By the way, isn't that funny though? Because every time we end up in a heartbreak, then we end up in a better situation. Afterwards. Yeah. And I think that's just something for, for people to think about is 
when you're right in, right there in the midst of it, it seems like this is the end of all ends, but it's only the beginning. Oh, yeah. And so many people ask, like, how did you get to be this person you are? How did you get your confidence in where you're at? And I had to go through two breakups to get here. If it weren't for that long-distance relationship that ended, I wouldn't have met my recent ex. And if it weren't for that relationship ending, I would not. I would still be doing the same shit that I was doing then. And your next relationship is only going to be better. It's going to be much, much better than any of those because of everything you've learned to this point. Honestly, Ephraim, at this point in my life, I hope my next relationship is my husband. Well, there you go. See, that's what I'm saying. Now it set you up to where now you know what you exactly what you want and you're able to weed out all the one of these. I'm like ready. I this is speaking for myself, but I at this point in my life where I don't care. Like if I don't ever get married, I think the only person that's gonna be sad about that is my mom. But I'm at this point in my life where like that's my goal when it comes to relationships and that I'm gonna cut you off if immediately mm-hmm. we're not clicking together. And that's what I want. Does that scare a lot of men? Absolutely. Boys. Boys. That's the difference. Yeah. It won't scare a man. It'll scare a boy. It'll scare anyone that's not in the same position. Mm-hmm. It'll scare the guy who just wants to be a fuckboy. It'll scare the guy who doesn't want to be committed. It'll scare everyone else except for that person that's ready for the same thing. And that's why it'll work when, it's, when it happens. So... Let me ask you this. So this isn't something that was a follower question, but it is... Is it a you question? No, <laughs> it's not a me question. But a friend of mine from college, he's a male, and he reached out to me and he was like, I am needing your advice. And this isn't something that I personally could speak to because I don't know how I would react in this situation. So he was like, Amy, I got married almost a year ago. So they haven't been married for a year yet. And before they got married, so he's a lot like you. He's like, I'm dedicated to my career. I know what I want. We have these conversations. But the wife was like, before they got married, was in agreement with everything. She was like, I want to work. I wants to start a family and we can travel later. We can do all the fun stuff later. Let's get our shit together now. So they got married and not long after they got married, she left because she said that she felt so tied down that she wanted to go travel and she wanted to go explore. She left her job to go to another town to start like cosmetology school and hasn't been back since. He was reaching out to me for some perspective. And I told him that she, that doesn't mean she didn't love him. She just probably got a little scared because life is real sometimes. Mm -hmm. So what would be some advice that you would give to someone who had those conversations before they got into any kind of relationship and that it fizzled out at the end? People change. People, uh, that's what I agree. Like people can change their minds. That's perfectly valid. It's, so, I, I mean, I don't know that this is the right answer to that, but Michael Beckwith, who's a, he's a pastor in California, if you can call him that, he wrote a couple books and whatnot. He's incredible perspective on human behavior. And he said, at one point in time, this really stuck with me. He said, 
the Western civilization, our culture, has this thing that you're going to find your soulmate and you're going to marry that person and you program that from Disney movies and whatnot else. And he said it's not the correct way to do no. life. And he gave the analogy of some of the other cultures. Of, I don't know where they're from, but he said there's even places where um, every five years a husband and a wife has to come before the tribe elders, if you will. And Hold on, they, can we take a time out? Yeah. You said you don't know where this is from. Ephraim, on the way, on the drive here. <laughs> Y'all, let me tell you this story. I'm cutting Ephraim off because this needs to be said. That. Yes, it does. Ephraim, you said you don't know where this is from, but guys, we were driving here to, to where we're recording the podcast and we saw like a group of people with a flag and I'm sitting there trying to read their protest signs and he's like, oh, that's a Nigerian flag. I'm like, how in the fuck do you know what a Nigerian flag looks like? He's like, oh, I must have saw it from a movie. <laughs> That's what you pick up from a movie? I don't know. I don't, I don't, know, you, how to, I don't know how I know that. So That's you, probably where I found this, too. Yeah, it might be. So I found that amazing where you're just like, oh, I don't remember where it's from. <laughs> you picked out a flag. Uh, well, you know, From, like I could barely read the signs, and you're like, "Oh, that's a Nigerian flag." I'm like, "What the fuck, Ephraim? How do you know I this?" Don't, I don't know. To this, to this minute, I don't know how. I I'm know baffled about this. Okay, so <laughs> every five years, this. So every five years, a husband and wife comes before the tribe, and the tribe elders say, "Is this still working?" And if it's not, okay, you need to separate ways. That's go separate ways, whatever. And if it is, okay, great, let's do another five years. And so That's it's just, cool. yeah, yeah, it kind of brought this thing into where, in perspective to, to bring it back to your friend is since listening to that and listening to a lot of his talks on, on this topic, I realized that you can never force someone to be in love with you. And it, it doesn't matter that there's a, a contract between the government and you saying that you're married people still change. Mm -hmm. And so if that's what she really wants, then he needs to just, this is so harsh because I've been in that situation, but if that's what she wants, then there's nothing he can do that's gonna serve him better than just going and finding, again, finding someone that's now more compatible with him. So would you ever date someone who's been divorced? Yes. I don't think, I don't that think it's a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal. I think where it gets sticky is if there's children involved because yeah. now you're not just dating the one person and, and hats off to the single moms out there. Mm -hmm. But let's say from a male perspective, when, when I come into that and now you have a child and it's all of a sudden not between me and you anymore, it's, it's me, you, and the father of the child. And you have, like, that's somebody you're potentially going to have to help take care of. Yeah, and, that, and now I've matters. been in this situation before where all of a sudden the father of the child is now competing against me or thinks he is mm -hmm. and it's making everything. And so it's just a lot more pressure on the guy. And, and I feel so bad for the single moms because it's never about them. It doesn't say that they're not worth it because they deserve all the love in the world and more mm -hmm. so. It's just when there's another, okay, let me rephrase it this way. And this is just so bad to say, but it's just the It's truth. not bad to say. It's some people need to hear it. I would date a single mom quicker if the father is not involved. I can see that. 
because I mean, it, I come it, from it takes I, so much out of it. I come from a divorced family, and I love my stepdad more than anything. Like the anybody who I date has some big shoes to fill, mm-hmm. and I think that if my mom were to be with anybody else that it wouldn't have worked because you have, whenever you date a single mom, you're not just trying to find love with her. You're trying to find love with the children too. And you have to be mature enough to recognize that. Yeah. And some people think that they're ready to be a daughter or like, or not a daughter father or like a built in father. And that's not how it works. The other thing that, that, men or women in this situation also put themselves in and I have experienced this in this case it was now you love the mother and you love the daughter as much as you love the mother or at least that's mm-hmm. perceived and so when it ends then in, in my situation it was the daughter hanging onto my leg saying please I just want to go home I just want to go home please don't leave mm-hmm. so now you you're open for, from the male perspective coming into the single mom perspective you don't just get your heart broken once you get it broken with the little girl with the little Mm -hmm. boy with the mother whatever it is Mm -hmm. and so it's it's just a lot and hats off to the men that can that can you know ride that line and and figure it out and make it work and but it's it's uh it's just a it's just a crazy scenario and it's now that's not to say that it's not gonna be hard sometimes because Whenever my mom and my stepdad got married, we did not get along. Like you and your stepdad? Yes. We like I hated him growing up. And it's just because I felt like somebody was replacing Sure. Like was filling those spots. And granted, my stepdad is literally the best father figure I've ever had. And it took me a long time to realize that. So I think more often than not, a lot of single women who reach out or single mom that moms that reach out to me, they're like I was dating this person. They had been in my life and my child's life, and then they left. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a harsh bit of reality, but you should not, like as a man or as a woman that's coming into a single father's life, you cannot position yourself in a relationship like that until you're ready to be committed 300%. Yes, for real. Because, I mean, that's something you have to be sure of because there's more than just one party yeah. involved. You can't mess with, with that, the hearts no. involved. You, you really no. have to know that that's what you want. And, and and that's the only way to do it. And if it's messy in the beginning, because I was actually talking about this to a coworker of mine recently, is that I learned my argument and my fighting style on my mom and dad's relationship and my mom and stepdad's relationship and that I carried that into my current relationships but it wasn't always healthy. So you have to consider that too is that whatever you do in this person in this relationship and whatever behaviors that you exhibit to the children that's going to carry that's going to mm-hmm. affect them too. Yeah. And so I just I need I felt the need to ask that question because this friend of mine from college is like, I don't know how to feel about this situation. No, that's a, that's a great question. And that's, that's a very big question that a lot of people I think have to answer for themselves and there's no right or wrong answer for it. So someone else wanted to know what happens when you run into your exes. Uh, for me, it's not weird. For me, I try to, do you avoid them? No. 
I sure as hell didn't. Um, no, I, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's different. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and this is a small town. Uh, despite what some people may think of it, it's a small town and you're going to run into your exes. I've always tried to leave relationships in a way that there's, there's that mutual respect. I could run into any one of my exes today and the first thing I would want to do is go give him a hug and say, hey, how are you doing? What's happening with your life? Tell me more about it. I did that, Ephraim. It did not go over well. I've never had it go bad. <laughs> it did not go over <laughs> well with me. I did that exact thing. I yeah. ran into my ex at the bar in my town and I gave him a hug because it's the first time I saw him in like a year. It's like, hey, how are you? And he just looked at me. I was like, okay, well, nice chatting. I guess some people can't handle it. You know, I feel like he, I mean, he must feel really stupid. <laughs> he probably saw your, your uh, video and he's like, uh, yeah. He does not follow me. He does not keep up with me. Unless he's one of the ghost accounts. He, he has, well, I mean, he left me for someone. I actually, no, I'm not going to get into that, but. Why he, not get into that? He must feel really stupid. <laughs> Here we go. There's your little tagline there, people. So if you want to know about this, tune back into part two. Okay, I guess we're going there. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.